David Eichel here, HawkeyeInsider.com, as always, joined by Sean Bach on the Swarmcast. Sean, it's been a tale of, you know, two Iowa teams over the past, you know, 13, 14 games or so. I think a lot of people were worried when Iowa lost four out of five. C.J. Frederick's health was in question, but Iowa ended the season really strong, winning seven of eight. The defense is top 10 in the country, according to Bart Torvik's adjusted defensive efficiency, and Iowa's offense – while I think maybe taking a step back a little bit, they've—I mean—they've still been a top ten, top fifteen offense, and then you combine that with it uh, with a defense that's giving great effort right now and getting good contributions off the bench. Uh, you're you're going to see—you know—the results are there. So I think Iowa's got a lot of momentum uh, going into March, but a, a lot of things I think to uh, to talk about, Sean. But I guess we'll start with—I mean, first of all, how are you handling everything? How how are you doing? And second of all. Uh, give us just some general takeaways about what you've seen from this Iowa team uh, over the last eight games. That's just so much different than they were at the start of the Big Ten season. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing well today, Dave. Um, was in St. Louis this weekend for a football showcase, so that was a pretty cool opportunity to do that on the national scene. So I wasn't able to watch about. I think I when I got back to Iowa City, there was about five minutes left in the game, and I got back at like one o'clock and the game started at 11. So really like I had no business being back in time for the game. And I know we can talk about this and maybe another podcast or um, go on for it for a long time, but just the officiating in the last <laughs> game and, you know, the constant reviews and everything that went on was just very frustrating. I can, and like you're ruined a good basketball game. There's no doubt about that. I think really, you know, the first – I think there was a stretch where oh, – who was it? I think Brad Davison and Jordan Lannon. The, the hook and – not the hook and hold, right? No, 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 no. The, like, three-point – like, where they were just punt – where they were just exchanging punches back and forth. Yeah, yeah. There was, like, two or three possessions of that. And, like, it's one of those moments where you're like, dang, like, this is a good basketball game. Like, this is March right here. And then after that, it all went downhill with the concert reviews and everything. And, you know, I don't want to get too into that. But, you know, overall, it was a good game for Iowa, a good victory, obviously, with the circumstances in the first half, which always came going down. But, you know, to backtrack a little bit, I think you look at this stretch going in to, you know, the final. I think I wrote something after the Michigan State game or Wisconsin, maybe about, you know, how important this stretch is for Iowa going forward because, you know, I'll use I'll just say I wrote after the Michigan State game where they won, so they beat Rutgers, they beat Michigan State, two pretty big wins, and that was fresh off losing four out of five games. Yeah. And you look at, you know, where they were on paper at that point, and I think they were somewhere around 13 or they were 15 and 6, nine and five, and I think they were in fourth or fifth place in Big Ten play at that point. And you kind of look at the remaining schedule, you're like, okay, Wisconsin on the road, that's going to be tough. Penn State, I know they're not ranked, or, you know, I know they've had their struggles this year, but that's a tough matchup for Iowa. Michigan playing some great basketball. Ohio State has obviously struggled, but, you know, at that point, after the Michigan State game, they were playing good basketball. Nebraska is Nebraska, and then Wisconsin again at home. So, you know, thinking about that stretch, I was kind of like, I kind of put myself in the fancy for that perspective, or, you know, like a team seat for that perspective. And 
saying like, okay, if you, if Iowa wins three of these games, because honestly, I thought they were going to lose to Wisconsin on the road. I think they could have beaten my home, but I think on the road is where I was kind of like, uh, but you know, Michigan has been playing really good basketball. I know they lost to Michigan state this past weekend or yeah, this past weekend. Um, Ohio state was playing good basketball. I kind of chalked, like I'll admit, I kind of chalked those up as losses at first. And then once things started to really get rolling, I think you look back and you're like, Oh, like, this stretch of games, like these stretch of the last six games, was absolutely huge for Iowa. I know the Michigan game didn't really go according to plan, um, but this whole stretch of games is just good momentum going forward into the tournament, the Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament. I know we talk about the Big Ten tournament not being as you know huge as the NCAA tournament. I would take an Elite Eight, Final Four berth over a Big Ten championship any day. Honestly, that's just my yeah, opinion. I would too. But yeah, but I, what I'm saying is, you know, this stretch of games was not only good for, you know, the conference standing and getting that double buy in the Big Ten tournament, which is huge, but it's also good from a momentum perspective because you need to be playing great basketball in March. And I think with CJ Frederick, him slowly coming back from injury, um, and, you know, the play of Joe Wieskamp, albeit that injury that he had. And, you know, Joe Toussaint playing at a high level, Keegan Murray doing what he does. Um, and the last, the loss of Jack Nungy, like, I think you couldn't ask for a better, you know, end to the season when it comes, a more realistic end of the season when it comes to everything that you've gone through throughout the year with injuries, CJ Frederick, um, Jack Nungy too. There was just a lot, like, there's obviously stuff that has gone wrong, but I think you look at it and you're like, okay, like, we got out, we got out at a good time. Like we are playing good basketball at the right time. And, you know, that can continue into <laughs> next week when they go to Indy. And, you know, I know the big 10 tournament, obviously Iowa hasn't had a ton of success in the tournament from what I recall, but, you know, I think they can use that as a springboard. I know people would be happy with the big 10 tournament championship, but I think you'd be very satisfied with a, you know, late run and it's one of those things where if you if you win the big 10 conference tournament and then you're out in the first round it's like what do you what do you remember about the team more so everybody knows you're you're gonna be remembering that they were out first and i guess my thing sean is you know i I wrote a column about this that you know i i get the whole narrative behind the february the fran fade or whatever but i think you got to look at this season and the i think the i think fran's done a great job coaching i think the players after they lost to Ohio State by four without C.J. Frederick. I mean, just I think the commitment to the defensive end of the floor. You know, I, I, I said it's a shift of a mentality, Sean, that I've seen because, you know, beginning of the season, middle of the season, they were kind of talking about, yeah, we know we're going to give up points, but we know we can score outscore anybody. They went from that mantra and that motto to, no, we're going to get stops. We are going to thrive on getting stops. We're going to get three stops in a row. We're going to score. We're going to go on these runs. And I think that alone and the commitment to -to man-to-man defense has gone a long way. I I think that Jordan Bohan, I know know people are very kind of off and on about him. He'll be more appreciated when he's gone. But I have seen Jordan Bohan give so much more effort on defense. And while it's not elite, the effort's there, and it has really helped Iowa. I mean, Luca's been – a pretty decent post defender while staying out of trouble. He's been a much better defender on the block. He's had some good chase down blocks this year. Obviously Jack Nungy was a big part of that 
change as well before, you know, his torn meniscus ended his season. And I, I think it's hard to take a look at, you know, Iowa going six and three in February when, like you said, CJ Frederick wasn't healthy. And I don't want to say he's hundred percent healthy. I think it's impossible based on everything that we've heard, but I mean, he's playing 30 minutes and he's given Iowa some really, really good minutes. And I think having CJ Frederick back, just the team is so different uh, on both ends of the floor. They're, floor they're so much more comfortable they're in a flow the ball movement's been great Luca's been Luca Jordan Bohan I think is playing some of the best basketball he's playing you know the last couple of seasons I mean the way he took over against Wisconsin to end things off but you know I was in the same boat as you I, I think I expected Iowa to you know drop a game or two that maybe they shouldn't have but people talk about they want Iowa to peak at the right time well they were frustrated when they lose four out of five but what if they had won five of five and then lost four or five down the stretch going into the Big Ten tournament? I think the mood of the team would be obviously completely different. So I think Iowa's peaking at the right time. Obviously, Jack Nungy is, I think, a big story, and we'll see what happens if Luca gets in foul trouble. And on top of that, we're gonna need to, you know, we're gonna need to see what happens with Joe Wieskamp. Is he gonna be able to go this week uh, in the Big Ten tournament? Because obviously, that's gonna make a world of difference for this team, especially with the way that. Uh, Joe Wieskamp's been shooting the ball. I mean, Sean, everybody said it. I know you didn't get a chance to really watch the the Wisconsin game, but, you know, Fran, Jordan, Keegan, and Luca all said this. Joe was on his way to 40 against Wisconsin. I mean, he was 5 of 5, 12 points, super early, and I don't think any of his shots hit the rim, and they were very contested shots. So, obviously, that's a a big story going forward. But I, I think just the way they've mentally shifted as far as the defense goes and, and playing a lot more man-to-man and abandoning the zone much more, I think that's gone a long way. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, I think that stretch of games too was pro- – I think was the one – the stretch at the beginning of the year or at the middle of the year when they lost four out five was the one where I was kind of looking at and being like, okay, that's going to be probably the toughest three games of the season. I mean – you go to Illinois, who we knew going into the season was going to be tough. That one of the best teams in the country. Michigan State had the expectations, but as we know, didn't deliver, but are now, you know, pulling the typical Tom Izzo March hold ordeal. Um, and Ohio State was kind of my sleeper team going into the Big Ten, too. I think really the most frustrating losses, like the losses where you kind of scratch your head are, Obviously, Minnesota with the way that they've crashed, Illinois or Indiana twice. That was definitely not. Um, <laughs> those that those games really don't make sense to me. Watching Indiana play any other team in the Big Ten versus Iowa, it's just you just pull out your hair because you're like, how did Iowa lose that game? Yeah, with the way that Indiana has played. But yeah, I think you look at you know the whole season as you look at the season as a whole and. You definitely take the struggles at the you know beginning slash middle of the year and not the end of the year because you know that's when really everyone starts to click and that's when you need to start playing your best basketball because you're gonna have games going forward where you're gonna need different guys clicking. I mean, it, it's been talked about before that the Luca Garza show. I mean, he's had games where he's put up thirty points and dominated, but I think a lot of us have been more impressed with you know the improved shooting ability of Connor McCaskey. I think that statement might raise some eyebrows but you know there was a point where he kind of looked like a capable three-point shooter cj frederick getting more healthy i know you know him going to the sideline is not you know a great a great 
image for people. Um, yeah. And Joe Wieskamp's play. Joe Wieskamp has been playing like an NBA player, whether you like it or not. I know he's had struggles in games before. I look at the Gonzaga game as an example, but he's playing himself on an NBA roster or playing himself into an NBA uh, draft pick whenever he chooses to go. Um, and I said Joe Tucson as well, just the way he's been able yeah. to play defense. Yep. Jordan Bohannon, I think. The Wisconsin game is a really good indicator of what he could do um, when he needs to. So, you know, there, there are guys that have stepped up and guys that have played hard. And Keegan Murray, I didn't even mention him. He's been good. I think Patrick McCaffrey has been given really good minutes. There's just a lot of positive signs going into March that you need that can give you more of a uh, more of kind of a cushion and, you know, more confidence about this team heading into this month. Yeah, and I think yeah, I can't believe we didn't bring up some of the bench guys. I mean, Joe Tucson. I mean, we we talked about this at length, you know, in a previous podcast, Sean. But he he didn't deserve the minutes at the time. And even Patrick McCaffrey said post game when I asked him about it, you know, he wasn't doing some you know the right things on the court at times, and it was a frustrating you know month for him. But you know, Joe Tucson, I think before the last two games in the previous seven, he combined for forty five minutes. I think he's played thirty in the last two. And he's looked good, man. I mean, he's doing exactly what Iowa needs him to do. And he, that just his style of play, that will win a game for Iowa in the postseason. I mean, the way he's been an absolute pest defensively, he's passing the ball well. He's taking care of the ball. He's playing with really good pace. He's running the offense. He's making smart decisions about when to drive, when to not drive. And I think at times we've seen him be reckless, you know, because he is so fast. And I think he's really slowed that down. Patrick McCaffrey. You know, the way he, you know, he'll, he'll get better at this, Sean, but the way he's gotten in the lane time and time again, I mean, he gets there so easy. And if he can just continue to put on strength and put piece that together, I think that he can be a very, very, I think he'd be double digit scorer in this league. I think he's a very good player. I, you know, basically said that since he got to Iowa, then obviously Keegan Murray, who was named uh, all freshman big 10 team today, well-deserved. I mean, yeah, you know, I I always give you credit for this, Sean, but I don't know if enough people do. So I'm going to say it again. I know you basically said, yeah, Keegan's going to be a really, really good player for Iowa. Obviously, I don't know if you expected him to be this good this early, but man, I mean, just the, the way he plays the game, there's such a natural, he has such a natural feel for the game. He's blocking, he's blocking a lot of shots. He's finishing at the rim strong. He's not hesitating to pull up from three. He's crafty. He's a great rebounder. I mean, he might lead lead the country in offensive rebounds off missed free throws. It seems like he gets at least one of those a game. Had that huge basket, that huge offensive rebound put back against Wisconsin, which I think dramatically shifted the game. And I, I've just been continued to be impressed with him. And I think the bench has also stepped up, Sean, after Jack Nunji went down. I think the team just... I don't want to say they took it more personally, but maybe they felt more of a need to step up. And, and I think those guys have responded. Uh, I think they've responded well. And I think you can look at, you know, look at all eight guys that are really playing right now. Yeah. You know, some guys have really take, I don't want to say take a step back. They're not doing everything perfect, but there's a lot of those guys that are playing some of the best basketball of the season and exactly when they need to play the best basketball of the season. Yep. Yeah. 100%. I don't, I don't have anything else to add there. That's you hit it on the head. So let, let's dive into this a little bit. Uh, just, you know, the Big Ten Awards came out today. Luca Garza, Big Ten Player of the Year. I know a lot of people thought Io DeSumo should have, you know, got it. I, 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 I don't think it was particularly close. I know I'm probably in the minority of that. Um, but obviously no surprise there. Joe Wieskamp, 
all Big Ten second team. And, you know, I think he would have been first team had this just been a less talented league, but the league was absolutely loaded this year. And I don't think you could really argue against anybody that was named uh, first team. Keegan Murray, like I said, Big Ten all freshman team. Jordan Bohan, CJ Frederick, honorable mentions. I think good that both those guys got recognized because I think you can kind of tell CJ Frederick when he's on the floor. I mean, Iowa's just a completely different team, even if he only puts up five points or whatever. I mean, the offense is spaced out better. He gives good effort defensively and he makes just the right basketball plays. So, you know, Sean, I think we need to dive into this story, obviously a little bit a scary moment for Iowa, you know, the basketball team. And I'll say this Carver has been quiet this year without the fans, but I mean, it was absolutely dead quiet when Joe Wieskamp went down and I think it's a big relief that Fran McCaffrey on Hawk talk last night said it was a, he has a sprained ankle and didn't say high ankle sprain because high ankle sprain would obviously be a lot worse, but it is interesting because I, I listened to Jordan Bohan's podcast, the standpoint and Jordan said, yeah, I have no doubt he's going to be ready by Friday. And if that is the case, I mean, what an absolute relief for Iowa if Joe Wieskamp can go because you could almost see Iowa's all of Iowa's goals and everything that they fought for this year. Uh, the chances go dramatically down if Joe Camp goes down with, with what he's done this year. He's played like an alpha. And it was an interesting thing, too, because when Jordan was talking about that on the podcast as well, he thought it. I thought the same thing, actually. I thought it was Joe Wieskamp's knee from where I was sitting and the way he was grabbing his leg. Uh, and he landed awkwardly. I didn't see the way he landed on, I think it was Demetric Trice's foot. Uh, but obviously that, that that's a scary thing. And when he was barely putting weight on it, coming back, uh, you know, it's a scary sight. But I do think it goes a long way that he was in a boot post game. Uh, he was laughing, smiling with his teammates. So clearly, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. I'm very interested to see if Fran McCaffrey offers. I doubt he will, but I'm interested to see if Fran McCaffrey offers any updates today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, Joe, Iowa needs him. There's no doubt about that. And you know, I talked about earlier how some of the struggles maybe he had during the year, but there's no denying his offensive output this year has been, you know, should be appreciated more on the national level. He's just been so efficient on that side of the floor with the shooting ability, not turning the ball over, taking smart shots. I know sometimes he falls in the trap of maybe hunting shots at times, or he's done that before. But, you know, once he plays in the flow of the offense, he also looks more comfortable out there with guys like C.J. Frederick on the floor and, you know, with Luca Garza as well, Connor, um, Jordan, like if all those guys are playing well together, that makes Iowa just such a much tougher team to beat. And I wrote about it um, a couple weeks ago after the Michigan State game where I kind of said, you know, it's time to appreciate Joe Wieskamp because at that point he had a higher offensive rating on Ken Palm than Baylor's Jared, um, Jared Butler, who was at one point ranked second or third in Ken Palm's National Player of the Year rankings. So just based off that stat alone kind of tells you how good Wies Camp has been this year and, you know, how critical he is to this team. Um, we always talk about guards in March, too, and 
you know, how guards win games. I mean, Jalen Brunson, Nigel Williams, Goss, Marcus Page, um, Ty Kemba Jerome, Walker. Kyle Guy, yeah, Kemba Walker, Shabazz Napier. No, there's so many in the past decade that come to mind. And we always talk about guards, but you need guys on the wing that can score too. You need guys that can hit the outside shot because teams that can shoot the three-pointer in the NCAA tournament are so huge and so critical. I mean, we've seen it before with Iowa games this year where Iowa's not making the three-point shot. I mean, Indiana comes to mind. Um, Ohio State at home, I don't think they were hitting a lot of threes. Indiana on the road, Minnesota, you know, Michigan, like, those games, those losses where Iowa's not shot well from three, those obviously end up in losses. So, you know, with Wieskamp on the floor, that obviously gives Iowa another weapon and, you know, arguably their most potent perimeter weapon, um, especially with his three-point shooting. And, you know, his just him being all good is, is a huge boost for this team. And, you know, I talked about offense, but I think defensively too, he's been able to take that next step with his length. He can guard multiple positions gives Iowa more flexibility with how they want to play rotations. And, you know, he's an incredibly important asset to this team and the guy that you really need for, you know, I think he's made to help his team in the NCAA tournament. Like, I think that's kind of what he's built for. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me right now. I'll look them up real quick. But, you know, against Cincinnati in the round of 64 in 2019, he had 19 points, was the MVP Mm -hmm. of that game on Ken Baum. Tennessee was not as good. But I know he had a couple critical free throws and, you know, had a bucket or two that were huge for Iowa. So, you know, he's he's an impact player. That's what he does. Um, you know, he's got – he's kind of the guy that – I would say C.J. Frederick's the glue guy. But offensively, I think Joe Wieskamp is such an important factor out there that you need him on the floor whenever or yeah. all the time. Yeah, no, and I I agree with that too. Again, I I've said this, Sean. I think Iowa's team is so perfectly constructed to make a deep run, but they cannot afford to miss anybody. I mean, I think it's the same thing if Jordan goes out, if CJ goes out, Joe goes out, Luca especially goes out. I mean, they have the weapons, they have the talent. It's about if they can piece it all together and if everybody can stay healthy. So obviously, HawkeyeInsider.com will bring you the latest uh, with Joe Wieskamp's health and. You know, I, I just hope for the sake of this team and just for the sake of the NCAA tournament and even te- all teams all across the country. I mean, I, I hope everybody's healthy and that we have just have the best NCAA tournament ever. Uh, I mean, you look at what happened with Villanova over the past week. I mean, there any shot that they had has been absolutely destroyed since Colin Gillespie went down with that injury. And especially that late in the season after, you know, everything that everybody's fought through just to have a season this year. Uh it sucks, and especially after getting robbed of an NCAA tournament last year. You know, like I said, I, I just hope that it, everybody's healthy and we can actually have just a great, great tournament. So, speaking of tournament, Sean, let's shift our attention to the Big Ten tournament. Obviously, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of hot teams in this conference. I think Illinois is probably the hottest team right now. Iowa's probably a close second, but – Michigan State's up there. Michigan State's, yeah. I mean, with their with their resume, I mean, they're in. They could lose first round. They're in. I think they're gonna get they're gonna get a rematch with uh with Michigan as well. So that'll be a bunch of fun to watch. So let's dive right into you know. I I think you have to like the way Iowa's bracket shifts out. Obviously, they're either gonna play Wisconsin, Nebraska, or Penn State. Uh, but give me your initial thoughts about this Big Ten tournament because I think it's gonna be absolutely insane with the teams that they have in it and how loaded this league is. Yeah. I thought Iowa, despite being, you know, the seed that they are, I thought they got it pretty tough 
you know, because there's a there's a chance that they play Penn State, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm trying. Here's the no, yeah, they they they'll either play Nebraska, Penn State, or Wisconsin. Yeah, so they'll play Nebraska, Penn State, or Wisconsin. You know, I think Penn State wins that first game. I think I could see Wisconsin winning that second game. Um, and, you know, from there, it's kind of just like, you know, Wisconsin gave Iowa a really good game. I think it probably would have been a wider gap had it had Joey's camp been healthy. But all in all, like, it's a big tournament matchup. So I think if that's an interesting matchup for Iowa, um, and I think, you know, they could end up winning that game. But, I mean, Penn State gave Iowa a hell of a game a couple weeks ago. So, you know, there's a lot to deal with there. And then, obviously, Illinois, if Iowa can get past, you know, that set, that quarterfinal game, then, they could pro- then they'll likely play Illinois. And then they're either going to play, you know, I think Michigan will end up making it from that side of the bracket. But I don't want to sleep on the Spartans once again. So, you know, I really think it's a toss-up at this point. I think – I think – Illinois might have the uh, easiest path to the semifinals. I think Iowa, depending on who they get, may have the hardest. I also think you can make an argument for Michigan. But, you know, Ohio State hasn't been playing great basketball, but, I mean, Purdue has been playing very good. So, honestly, like, if I were – if I wanted to be a team in a certain situation, I would go with Illinois. I know Rutgers is kind of playing – I'm not sure if they're playing for their lives right now, but I think a win or two would really help them, or two wins would really help them. Indiana is deflated, and then, like I said before, I think I or I think Wisconsin, Penn State will be the uh, will be the first or the you know that second round matchup, and I could see really that game being a toss up. I think Wisconsin might win. But I think that's a really that's gonna be an interesting matchup for Iowa in the quarterfinals because I really think Iowa got it tough here. It's interesting because just with the way I, there's a couple things I think that need to be taken into account. I think the Penn State game, obviously, I think Penn State did match up with Iowa well. I think Iowa was also very focused on getting Luca the record, and I think that really messed with the team for a while. And then once Luca got the record, they sort of just really gelled back and. They ended up pulling away, but that entire game was just such a buildup to Luca getting the record. I think that needs to be taken into account. Nebraska, I mean, I'm not even going to expand upon that because I would be blown away if they actually made you know the quarterfinals. I think Iowa. I still think Iowa matches up very well against Wisconsin. I really do. I mean, if if Joe Wieskamp is healthy, I don't. You know, I wouldn't be overly worried about Wisconsin, playing Wisconsin. I'd make really hard to beat a team three times. Yeah, that's that's the only other thing too. But just with the way Iowa was playing there, and I think that there's going to be some bad blood on both sides after Greg Gard popped off at the officiating. And I, I can't remember if I said this earlier. I apologize if I did, but that last minute took 20 real time minutes. <laughs> I mean, that was absolutely insane. But yeah, like I said, I think. Uh, I think Iowa has a good chance to advance. And the other thing is I think Iowa is very motivated to, and they want to play Illinois again, in the semifinals. And I, you know, despite what, you know, a couple other guys have said, I have a hard time believing that if Iowa goes the big 10 finals or wins the big 10 tournament, that they don't get a one seed 
just because the quad wins will stack up. The quad one wins will stack up. They'll have double digit ones by that point, assuming everything goes chalk, but Iowa wins. I mean, Iowa's still, I think the second highest two seed, according to Joe Lenardi right now, and they're going to be playing two potential one seeds in this big 10 tournament. If Iowa beats them both, I think they're going to have to find a way to sneak Iowa in there. So there is still a lot to play for, I think, for this team. I think Iowa's playing the best basketball of the season right now, like I've already said. If Joe Wieskamp's healthy, I think that this team has a very good chance at going farther in this tournament than Fran McCaffrey's ever gone. Uh, and I think it's going to be a very, very – I'm very interested to see how Iowa responds in the postseason after not getting the opportunity last year. I think it's a very legacy-solidifying moment and opportunity. I mean, obviously, Luca has everything under the sun, but as far as his postseason legacy goes, I mean – this is the this is an opportunity for him to absolutely do something special. I really think that he's going to come out uh, and, and, you know, do what he can do. And I think he's a show up in the moment. And like you said, I think Joe Wieskamp's proven that that he's going to be more than capable, too. And on top of that, I, I think that this is a time for Jordan Bohannon to really kind of regain that 2019 Jordan Bohannon of clutch shots, stepping up in big moments. Uh, again, I think that this team is really built to go far but they also need to continue what they've been doing well. As in, I think they're, I think Iowa's defensive rebounding has gotten a thousand times better. They've limited teams over the last four games uh, in a lot better ways than they have over the previous month. I think Iowa's defense, like I said, they can continue to play man. And if Iowa gets great play from their bench, I mean, Iowa stacks up against anybody if, if they've been playing like they have over the last eight games, but if I, Iowa's got to be able to hit threes, everybody's got to be healthy, and they, they need to step up in the moment because they have an experienced team that's capable of doing that. Yeah, to talk about the brackets real quick, Gonzaga's going to be a lock for a one seed. Baylor's going to be a lock. I think Michigan, if they make it to at least the semifinals, I think they're a lock. And I think you put Alabama. I think Alabama in the SEC tournament um, will be interesting to watch. And you know, I think Iowa's right in that five or six, maybe more of a six overall seed right now. Yeah. So, I you know, agree. I think there's a chance, but I think it's more likely that we see Michigan. I think Baylor, Michigan, and Gonzaga are going to be number one seeds regardless, unless something drastic happens, you know, in the conference tournament for Gonzaga. Same thing for Baylor. I think Michigan is kind of locked in there too. But also you have to keep an eye on Alabama as well because they're they're probably the highest number two seed at this point. They're a certified bucket, too. What Nate Oates has done there, they, they have a really, really good program there. Uh, so with that being said, Sean, give me your pick. Who wins the Big Ten tournament? I'm putting you on the spot. I'm going to go with Illinois. Yeah? I think Io just I like, I like the momentum. Yeah, I like the momentum they've going. I like the duo of Io and Kofi. Um, so I'm going to go with Illinois. By the way, I got to say this. I know Iowa fans might not like hearing Andre Curbelo is going to be a problem. I mean, that, that dude is – He's a really, really good player. I, I love watching him this year. What he does passing the ball is fantastic. I'm going to – man, I think I'm going to go with Illinois as well. I think Iowa comes up just short against the fight in Illini in the Big Ten semifinals. And I don't like – I know Michigan's played well this year, Sean, but I, I really don't like the way they've been trending – over the last three or four games. And a big deal about Michigan too is how healthy is Eli Brooks going to be? Because remember he went down with an ankle injury the other night. 
I think he's a very, very good defender. He's a capable three-point shooter, and he's going to be a big part of that team in, in if they're going to make a March run as well. So that will be something to watch. I don't like the way Ohio State's trending. I mean, I'd be very surprised, Sean, if Michigan, Illinois, or Iowa didn't win the Big Ten title, the Big Ten tournament. I think those three are without a doubt the three favorites. My sleeper team is Purdue. I mean, I think it's obvious with them being a four seed, but Purdue's been playing good ball too. So, Boilermakers might be one to watch. Definitely. And I, I got – before we wrap this up, Sean, I have to rant about this because it is so just crazy to me that, uh, you know, the wooden award came out for the women's basketball. You know exactly where I'm going with this too. Caitlin Clark was not named a top 15 player in the country. Uh, which is just absolutely asinine to me. I know that the Big Ten has this stigma regarding, you know, can players be nationally relevant? I thought Megan Gustafson broke that. She clearly didn't. uh, Caitlin Clark was Big Ten freshman of the year. She leads the country in points. She's fourth in assists per game. She hits four three-pointers a game. She's had 11 30-point games. She had 13 Big Ten freshman of the week honors. I believe five Big Ten player of the week honors. She also made the honor roll. She can pull up from 30 feet and she's box office basketball. Like she is one of the most talented players in the country. One of the best shooters in the country. And I don't care if she's a freshman. I don't care if Iowa is going to be their sixth seed in the big 10. They're going to be at eight or nine. I think in the NCAA, they have the number one offense in the country. I know there's some turnover issues and she's not going to blow you away defensively, but you're not putting the nation's leading score that comes from a power conference and is fourth and assist. You're not going to put her as a top 15 player. That's absolutely ridiculous. That's an oversight. Rebecca Lobo who's a very respected uh, women's basketball analyst, WNBA and college said It was a ridiculous oversight. Iowa's done a good job campaigning. Iowa women's basketball fandom is very passionate about it. And I think Caitlin Clark really doesn't have to prove anything more. I know she'll have a big opportunity in the Big Ten tournament, but to not put her as a top 15 player is absolutely ridiculous. It's inexcusable based on what she has done this year. I mean, just go look at the highlights. She had a triple-double. I mean, she does everything on the basketball court right. And I'd be very, I'm very excited to watch her play tomorrow and see what she can do because I know she saw that and she liked a few tweets about it. So I'm again, I think she's going to come out uh, with a chip on her shoulder. Plus she's hit game winners or game ceiling stuff from about 25, 30 feet, which is ridiculous in itself. And I'll say this, it's not even, she's shooting the ball. Like she's not throwing it. She is shooting it with good form, step back. She has a variety of moves. She's been absolutely must watch television this year. And I think it's a very bad oversight that Caitlin Clark is not a top player while I, you know, and my thing is I'm not going to disparage or, you know, dispute anybody that made the list because they're all fantastic players. But if you're going to make a list of top 15 players, you have to put Caitlin Clark. It's a ridiculous oversight and the win uh, committee should come out, admit they made a mistake and, and add her. I mean, remember Caitlin Clark didn't even make the Nancy Lieberman point guard of the year semifinal list. And everybody freaked out over it. Then Caitlin's now a top, you know, she made a, she made the finals. She got voted on it. They put her on it for the finalists because of the way she's been playing and she didn't up her game. She's been doing exactly what she's been doing all year, which is playing some of the most dominant, consistent, most exciting basketball in the country. I, I feel better. Do you have anything else to add, Sean? No, 
I definitely think <laughs> it's it might be a troll job that they're not having around there. I think it's disgraceful. I looked up the stats the other day and I saw it on Sports Center. I was like, wow, like how is <laughs> like I, it doesn't add up. Like, is it strength of schedule? Like the Big Ten's pretty good. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 crazy. I mean, she's leading the co- like country in scoring as a true freshman. She's shooting forty percent from three. It, I believe forty percent from three, and it, it, it's not like I don't want to. She makes the offense go, and I think you. What, I hate using this argument, but I think it's absolutely valid here. If you take Caitlin Clark off Iowa, how good are they? Like, I obviously Monica Susano, they have some pieces. Kate Martin's been good. Gabby Marshall's done some nice things this year, but what Caitlin Clark's done is ridiculous. I mean, she's shooting. She's shooting 42% from three and 49% from the field. I mean, I, I, I don't know what more she has to do, but that, I think it's an oversight. I think it's ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, I think that about wraps it up, Sean. Any, any final points about anything we've talked about? No, I got nothing else. Well, HawkeyeInsider.com, David Eicholt, Sean Bach. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at David Eicholt and at SBach247. We've got plenty of coverage leading up to the Big Ten tournament this week and the NCAA tournament next week. It's going to be very, very exciting times uh, for Fran McCaffrey and this very experienced and driven uh, Iowa squad. So until then, we'll we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.